0: Three unqualified morons and microphones. This is the Previously Recorded Podcast. All right, welcome to Previously Recorded. I am your host, RP, as always, and this episode of Previously Recorded is brought to you by Totally Tease and our Redbubble store. Check out our Redbubble store in the show notes, or just search Previously Recorded on Redbubble and all of our options will come up. Though recently was added is a uh, I'm a Little Burger Boy sticker decal. Um, so pretty cool. But check that out, uh, link is in the show notes, and then as always, reach out to Jack from Totally Teased for all your t-shirt needs. So, uh, today's episode of Previously Recorded I is a solo one, and it's one that I figured I would do with the release of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore coming out, uh, that, which we're releasing this episode today on Thursdays, because the showtime starts tonight. Um, for all of our, you know, European listeners, the film's been out for a week, so, I mean, thank you for listening anyway. Um... But yeah, I figured I would just recap uh, the first two movies so you don't have to watch them, or just a quick refresher before you go into the movie this weekend, um, because, you know, the first one's enjoyable, second one's pretty long, and sometimes tough to get through, um, for some obvious reasons. But before we get to that, um, just quick news update, we are, I think, um, we're just under 100 days for Thor Love and Thunder, and we still don't have a trailer yet, which for most people, you know, it doesn't really matter, but that's the shortest amount of time between release and, um, a, a trailer, like some people are making a big deal out of it, uh, I don't really think so, I think it's now kind of the, um, way to do things for marketing, you know, this is a familiar character that people love, and, um, so marketing budgets are now being kind of turned with COVID, the way that people don't, like, go to the theater, um, is they're waiting until they get closer to the movie to really start to spend some of that marketing budget. So that's why I really only think it is. Some people have theorized that the movie's going to get pushed back or that there's some issues, and no, I don't think that's, that's the case. Um, somebody who does, like, Chris Hemsworth's dub or somebody else in the line says that the trailer's complete because he did his dubbing uh, in another country uh, for Hemsworth. Um, so the, the trailer is done. It's ready. Uh, so maybe by the time you actually hear this episode, it'll be out and this is old news. But um, since we cover Marvel all the time, it's just one of the things I wanted to to bring up um, that I found kind of interesting and wanted to share. And uh, in case people were worried, uh, I'll, I'll calm you down. Um, did want to plug a movie. Um, I saw everything everywhere all at once and it was fucking incredible. It is beautiful. It is funny. It is genius. It is... Filled with fantastic performances um, by Michelle Yeoh and Ki-Hu Kwan, who you guys will know as Short Round um, from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Absolutely amazing in it. It's his first movie in 20 years. Um, Really, really, really fucking good. You guys should go see it. Um, And that's my plug for this week. Another thing, uh, this past weekend, Sonic 2 opened, uh, and it's the biggest opening weekend for a video game film of all time. It opened to seventy one point two million dollars, which uh was about twenty million more than the original. And we saw it, me and Audrey saw it. Uh and I enjoyed it. It was a little bit longer than it needed to be. Some scenes could have be cut. Um, but it was super enjoyable. You know, everything you loved about the first one, they kind of just doubled it up on here. Um I did think the first one was better. Um, but this was a nice sequel, and I'm looking forward to seeing more in the world. You know, Knuckles was great. Tails was kind of useless for most of it. Um, and Robotnik was funny. Um, but I know they're building it out on Paramount+. Plus. Like, Knuckles is getting his own show. Um, they're doing something else on there. Um, but that's, you know, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a great family movie. Um, you know, we're coming up with the Easter holiday. If you're not going to go see Fantastic Beasts and you take your family or, or your kids to go see... Sonic 2, because um, I enjoyed it, so did producer Audra, but that was crazy just how much money it made, good for it, it was, it's lighthearted, good fun, uh, a lot of funny moments, Eat Your Sap was great as Knuckles, and it is tough to make a video game movie, like, they always flop, or they're, they're not really that good, um, like, Assassin's Creed, I never saw, but I heard it was awful, um, the Hitman movies, I think, are okay, um, uh, Prince of Persia, some people do like it, you know, it's just really tough to make a video game movie, but Paramount has found a way with Sonic. Um, so that was some news. And then Brie Larson has been cast in Fast and Furious 10 uh, who, as who knows what, but this was announced on Vin Diesel's Instagram page over the weekend uh, with a picture of them two and the caption, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see this angel over my shoulder cracking me up. You say to yourself, that's Captain Marvel. Clearly there is love and laughter in this image. What you don't see, however, is the character you will be introduced to in Fast 10. You have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology. Beyond her beauty, her intellect, her Oscar, haha, is this profound soul who will add something you might not have expected but yearned for. Welcome to the family, Brie Larson. The fuck? <laughs> like, Vin Diesel's posts are insane. Like, when he called out freaking The Rock... To come back, like, I don't whatever. Who cares? But uh, these these movies are insane, and Brie Larson has joined the cast. I mean, this one. I mean, the last one was fine. I like Brie Larson in Captain Marvel, and Momoa joined as the villain, which I think is awesome. So um, yeah, that's kind of all the news I wanted to share. Um, again, this is a solo episode of me kind of just recapping the events in the Fantastic Beast movies um, for people. So. They can go see it this weekend and have a quick refresher if you haven't had time to watch the movie. So, we are here to discuss Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Alright, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is the spin-off series of Harry Potter that follows um, Newt Scamander and... A couple other characters and the first one kind of started out as a spinoff and not really knowing where it was going to go and then it was announced that it's this was actually going to be a five movie series and it was going to be the battle of the elder wand between Dumbledore and Grindelwald uh which I guess we it, it's cool to see but it's we didn't need it. Like they could have really spun it off and done something like the Mandalorian where it's separate references, some of the stuff, but it's a separate story because it's so far ahead, um, of Harry Potter, about 70 years before, you know, Harry's born. Um, but anyway, fantastic piece and where to find them, uh, released on November 18th, 2016, uh, about five years after Deathly Hallows part two. It was directed by David Yates who did Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix uh, all the way through Deathly Hallows Part 2 and written by J.K. Rowling. This was her debut in, you know, screenwriting and writing a movie which she's written seven really good novels so you would think this kind of wouldn't be too hard for her but that is what kind of happens in the second one where she tries to fit too much information into a a a two-and-a-half-hour movie where she doesn't have, you know, 800 pages to, to tell a story, but it stars Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander, Catherine Waterson as Porpatina Goldstein, who goes by, um, Tina, Dan Fogler as Jacob Kowalski, Allison Soudel as Queenie, uh, Goldstein, Ezra Miller as Credence Barebone, and Colin Farrell as Percival Graves. Um, so I'm going to refer to Percival Graves as Graves for most of this just because it's easier. Um. But the movie uh, was a success. It grossed $814 million worldwide uh, with an opening weekend of $74.4 million here in the U.S. Uh, it was pretty, pretty damn good um, with a critical reception of 74% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 79% audience score. Um, so it was a success and people thought this was going to be the start of a new franchise. So with that, let's get into the events of the movie. Um, so the movie starts off with you see a bunch of different snippets from the uh, Daily Prophet of kind of what's going on in the Wizarding world, and one of them is the, you know says Grindelwald was on the loose or something like that. Um, but the opening scene after all that uh, is Newt uh, arriving in New York. So it's 1926, and Newton Artemis Fido's Commander, you know J.K. Rowling in her names, um, or Newt arrives uh, by boat, which I don't know why he didn't just apparate there. I guess because you have to. N- Go know where you're going. It you know it was different back then. Um, but he takes the boat back home at, at in the end, anyway. Um, boat to, to New York City with his case of magical creatures. Uh Newt is a magi zoologist, and um he's here to help finish his research for his book, uh, which all Harry Potter fans know the title of, which is the title of the movie. Uh, because Fantastic Beast is a required reading for all first-year students at Hogwarts. Also going on at the same time, some uh, invisible magical creature is wrecking havoc on, on New York, and no one really knows what's going on. The Nomash, which are the the muggles, uh, think it's a gas explosion, uh, but then Percival Graves arrives on the screen, which is Colin Farrell, um, and we later find out that he's an Auror for MACUSA, which is the Magical Congress of the United States of America. Um, uh, so we continue back to with Newt, who is walking through the streets of New York, um, when he encounters a protest happening in front of a bank by the New Salem Philanthropic Society, um, which you'll hear referred to as the second Salemers, uh, in regards to Salem, Massachusetts, which is led by Nomaj Mary Lou Barebone, uh, who is Credence's adopted mother, Um, They are a group who preaches that witches and wizards are real and dangerous. So some people think they're crazy. Um, Here's where Newt's creature, the Niffler, um, it's a cute platypus looking creature that I'm sure you've seen, escapes. Uh, So Niffler's love shiny things. So of course a bank with tons of gold plates and shiny coins would be a Niffler's playground. So this is actually where Newt runs into Jacob Kowalski, uh, who is a former military man turned canned soup, factory worker uh, looking to obtain a loan to open his own bakery um, he's denied the loan because he doesn't have any collateral and upon leaving the office he finds newt's animal egg which is just like shiny silver and he goes uh, hey mister your shiny egg is hatching and newt pu- so newt's clearly in a rush to find his niffler and he pulls him uh with magic revealing that he is a, a wizard and the niffler now enters the bank vault which causes the bank to think that newt and jacob are robbing it Um, Then Newt stupefies them, and they escape. Once out of the bank, Newt prepares to wipe Jacob's memory, uh, to which Jacob quickly hits Newt with his briefcase and takes off. While this is all going on, MACUSA member Tina Goldstein watches this all unfold and confronts Newt and then takes him to uh, MACUSA headquarters, revealing that she's a witch. Um, So Tina takes Newt to her boss to show him Newt's case, since uh, breeding and transporting magical creatures is illegal in the States. However, unbeknownst to everybody, they opened the case to find bakery items. Jacob accidentally grabbed Newt's case uh, before he ran off. So Newt is free to go and Tina's considered crazy and uh, bad at her job now. So this is when we learn that Tina is no longer an R and she should no longer be tracking down people to bring in. uh, But we're not really sure what happened that made her lose her job uh, as an R. She still does work for Makuza though, but it's down in the documentation section um so but all we know is that the reason why she lost her job is that it has to do with the second salemers because she mentions that she's not supposed to be around them anymore uh so then it cuts to jacob who realizes he has the wrong case when a Mert lap attacks him it's just a pink squid looking animal um, luckily newton tina know that they have to find him while on the lookout they see one of Newt's creatures on the loose and know that he must be near. Um, So they go up to his apartment to find that it's kind of ransacked and that he's been attacked Um, and that some of the creatures have escaped. Um, Now, so Jacob is now like a little out of it from the attack and like giggly and not really knowing what's fully going on or in control. Uh, So they take him back to Tina's apartment. So for this scene, Tina's not supposed to have men back because, you know, it's the 1920s. It's like a woman's housing and they're, you know, so they're sneaking through. Why didn't they just operate? They operate everywhere else in this goddamn movie. Why don't they do it here? But anyway, that's getting nitpicky. So they go back to Tina's apartment where they meet her legitimate sister, Queenie. Uh, Legitimans is when you have the ability to read people's minds. Uh, So Queenie and Jacob connect kind of instantly and they feed the boys and send them to bed. Obviously, instead of going to bed like a good boy, uh, Newt hops right out of his sheets, with a, fully dressed, um, and opens his briefcase and heads downstairs. Uh, well, downstairs he heads into the case, which reveals, which uh, reveals to have an extending charm, which I'm sure we all assumed, bec- or some sort of charm that allows him to go down and see all of his creatures and it's his workshop. Uh, but he needs to concoct a cure for Jacob's injury uh, to make him kind of normal again. So here's where we start to see all the magical creatures that Newt takes care of, and uh, the true reason for his visit. Um, you know, Newt is taking care of these creatures and writing books about them to help the wizarding world understand these creatures better, um, and not only you know to protect them, but to know how many the benefits that some of these creatures have, and some of the healing powers that can come from their venoms or their or things that they produce. Because he like throws this creature at him that turns into, it looks like a big bat or big flying stingray or something called the swooping evil, um, that produces a venom that Newt believes if pr- properly used and diluted, uh, could be quite useful, um, just to remove bad memories. But anyway, this is when we learned the true purpose of Newt's trip there is that he has, um, a thunderbird name that he calls Frank the need to return to his home in the wilds of Arizona. Uh, He was being chained up in Egypt and he was, he was traded and Newt saved him and is returning him home. So that really is the true purpose of Newt's uh, arrival in New York is to get to Arizona. Um, So, you know, we're shown around all the creatures and some really bad green screen CGI. The, the, the creatures look awesome and they're really, really cool. Uh, But some of the green screen in this movie is really bad and age very, very poorly. Um, So after we, you know, see all these creatures and, you know, Jacob interacts with them, he does find uh, this floating dark black object, which Newt tells him to stay away from and reveals to him that it is an obscurus, which we'll get to later. Um, So after all of this, Jacob and Newt uh, hit the town (laughs) to find the missing creatures. Uh, First, the Niffler escaped again. Um, he's in a jewelry store, which results in the cop showing up because again, instead of operating into the store or accioing the Niffler, um, which he eventually does, he shatters the glass, which again, he can repair and whatnot. But, um, there's some of those little things. I'm just like, what the hell? So the cops do show up, but they do get away because a lion is now on the streets of New York and, they're like, what the hell? So they head to Central Park to find that uh, other animals are kind of roaming free because a giant hole has been blown in the uh, Central Park Zoo's wall. So it turns out that one of Newt's creatures, the erumpent, uh, which is an elephant or rhino-like creature, uh, blasted that wall. Um, So they need to get the creature back into the uh, case. So Newt performs a mating dance and put some of the musk on himself to attract the creature to come closer. Uh, and and it's fun here. Um, but then obviously situation happens and the musk opens up and it gets over Jacob and the creature comes up after Jacob and uh, chaos ensues. Uh, but it's fun. And they eventually do get the creature back into the case. Um, which is when Tina ends up trapping Newt and Jacob in the case as well. Um, so, but meanwhile, the Salamers meet with the senator, played by John Voight, to try and get him to print in his newspaper about wizards and witches being real. Uh, but they're like, get the hell out of here. And the son is really mean to them, especially to her child, Credence. He's not really a child. He's like a grown-ass Ezra Miller. But it's just foreshadowing something that's about to happen. Um, so anyway, then Colin Farrell then meets with the kid, Credence secretly in hopes to find a magical child that they believe is at the orphanage. Um, in return for his help, he will teach Credence magic. Uh, Credence wants to use the magic against the orphanage leader, uh, Mary Lou, who's the head of the Second Salomers. It, I'm, it's unsure if she's adopted or he just takes that last name because she takes care of him in the orphanage. It doesn't really matter. Um, but since she, she, you know, she abuses the kids and it's a unsafe place. We see these two interacting, and you kind of get this vibe that, you know, Graves is giving off this vibe that he's not exactly who he's perceived to be. So next, uh, as I said, Queenie and Tina were able to trap Newt in the case. Um, So she does take them uh, to to Macusa, again, to prove that you know, she's still good at her job, and she's not crazy or whatever, but upon arrival, they find that the Makuza was filled with all different members of the wizarding community from all around the world. Um, they're gathered there because uh, the senator's son, who was mean to Credence, uh, is killed by the invisible chaos monster that's been unleashed in New York. So now they're actually all under arrest, including Tina. It's just Tina, uh, Newt, and Jacob, because they think one of Newt's creatures did this to the senator's son and obviously newt pleads to them no you know that that wasn't happened my creatures wouldn't hurt anybody don't do this um so then they take them down and you know they're gonna look through his case so they do look through newt's case and they find the obscurus um and this is where we learn what an obscurus is so an obscurus is created when a young Witcher wizard oppresses their magic and pushes it down uh for fear of being prosecuted uh, like in the Salem Witch Trials, when that magic is, you know, just oppressed and pushed down and not given the opportunity to grow, it creates this creature, this this thing that needs to be released that's uncontrollable. Um, so this is why Newt actually had one is because he was asked to come and try and save this child that had one and, you know, he wasn't able to. So instead, he now had it in his case because he was trying to learn and understand it and, you know, try to prevent that from happening again, and it is not the Obscurus that does attack the Senator's son and been causing all this chaos. So, when I first saw the movie and I heard this Obscurus, I thought it was kind of interesting and a little bit unusual, but um, I guess it kind of makes sense. It's kind of cool. So, that is an Obscurus, but um, we also learn here why Tina is no longer an R, and it's because she was, you know, tracking down the second sale numbers, and she saw the abuse that was happening to Credence and, and the people in her, in his family, and so she um, attacked Mary Lou Barebone, and that's why, so she's no longer allowed to be an R, and so naturally, you know, they wipe their memories, but um, she does have this kind of connection to Credence. So, uh, they find the Obscurus, and they sentence all of them to death, kind of like, immediately, um, because. Uh, Percival Graves accuses Newt of working with Grindelwald Um, and he also does mention Dumbledore at some point Um, so they are sentenced to death in this weird pensive like pool where they put your memories in there and it shows you happy memories that kind of lures you in and then it kind of just burns you alive Um, but they escape with the help of one of Newt's creatures that he had and Pickett and um, they sneak out in the case uh, Queenie sneaks them out and saves Jacob as well. So now they know they got to get to work to try and clear their names. So to do so, they want to track down all of Newt's creatures. Um, so they had this this nightclub to get some info from a goblin played by Ron Perlman. Um, and they learned where the remaining creatures are, which is this invisible monkey looking thing and a giant like snake lizard that can grow and take up all these sizes. Um, so that's a fun little bit. And and they save the creatures. and So now we get into the final act of the movie. Um, All the creatures are home safe. And he invites Tina and Queenie down to his, you know, where he takes care of all of them and shows the Thunderbird and why he's actually here. And you know, we learn of Lita Lestrange, played by a picture of Zoe Kravitz. And then uh, we also learn of Ilvermorny, the American magic school that Queenie and Tina attended. And if you are a fan of... Harry Potter and have been on Pottermore, there's an option to place yourself in a, in an Ilvermorny house. Um, I was placed in Thunderbird, which is like kind of the equivalent to Gryffindor, which I am a Gryffindor. So it makes sense. So now we cut back to Mary Lou Barebone, the head of the second Salamers, who finds a fake wand and assumes it's Credence's. Um, so she's about to give Credence a beating and then Credence's sister steps forward and takes the blame and she's about to get, take the beating. Then, uh, it appears that she is using magic and she takes this belt out of her hand, and it, you know, the Obscurus attacks and kills Mary Lou barebone. So, Grave shows up at the crime scene to find Credence inside, cowering and crying like he is the entire damn movie. Um, but he asks Credence, Where did his sister go? Because that's who he believes the magical one is. And he says, If she's the Obscurial, she's in grave danger. So, Credence takes Graves to, um, the home, her home, the home of the sisters where she says she, uh, misses like her brothers and sisters. And she was taken from there. I'm not entirely sure the background of like the orphanage or whatever. Mary Lou Barebone runs. I, it's not really important, but I don't, they're not actually really, she's not actually related to Credence, but, um, so he takes them there and Graves has what he wants. Now he has the girl. Um, and so he calls Credence a squib, which is somebody who comes from a magical family, but has no magic ability, um, and calling him unteachable and says he's done with Credence. So he has fulfilled his need, because like I said, because he has his, the sister, but here's when it's revealed that Credence is actually the Obscurus. Um, so he is now unleashed on the city again, fully visible and creating so much chaos and and damage. Um, so Graves tries to calm him down and control him. Because he wants the Obscurus for his own you know, needs and wants and, and personal gain. Um, and then also Newt and Newt, Queenie, Tina, and Jacob try and fight Graves and, and save the city. Uh, which leads to a final showdown of Newt, Graves, and Credence slash the Obscurus in the subway. So also at risk now is the revelations that wizards do exist. Because the entire city is watching in terror, and Makuza shows up and puts this protective charm around the subway entrance like they put around Hogwarts in, and, and, you know, Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, so Newt tries to calm him down, uh, but he kind of starts to attack him, but mainly Graves, uh, but it's actually Tina who calms Credence down, uh, but this is when the R's show up and attack without listening to Graves. Graves is like, you know, you'll have to listen to deal with me, but the Obscurus is now killed, and it, it's blown up. And it appears to be dead as we see it disintegrate and and fade away. And their reasoning was that he's too much of a threat and they needed to protect the Wizarding World. And that he killed a Nomaj and that they risk their safety and the Nomaj's safety Where Percival Graves responds that maybe they should no longer bow down. And they should rise up and take what is theirs essentially and saying who does that law actually protect? Does it protect us or is it protecting the Nomaj? So he says he refuses to bow down uh, to the president and is then attacked by the R's who um, are, quite frankly, losing. And then one of Newt's creatures saves the day and wraps him up. Uh, I think it's the swooping evil, actually. And then Graves is placed under arrest. But then it's actually revealed that Graves is actually dun, 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 the evil Gellert Grindelwald, uh, the evil wizard. Played by Johnny Depp. And so he is taken into custody. Um, and now they need to figure out what they're going to do about the Nomash. Um, so to solve the Muggle issue, that's too many people to obliviate. Um, Newt actually unleashes the Thunderbird uh, into the sky with a vial of the swooping evil venom. And they starts to rain. You know, the Thunderbird causes the rain and the lightning. And it begins to rain and the uh, swooping v- evil venom. Uh, mixes with the rain to remove the bad memories for the humans. This is a traumatizing thing. They all look scared. So the rain hits all the onlookers, and their bad memories of the wizards start to fade. As you can tell, they, they look confused. But it apparently it works really quickly because they show somebody drinking water, and it's still raining out, and they're still rep- fixing the city doing, with, like, Raparo. Um, and somebody's in the shower, too, but and they all look confused. So apparently whatever the Thunderbird did, it, it worked really, really quickly in the water moved into the, the drains, and whatever, super quickly, um, so the Wizarding World is now safe again, um, and Makusa thanks Newt, and their name is cleared, but also now they have to say goodbye to Jacob Kowalski, so they say goodbyes to Jacob, and it is sad, and Queenie and him share a kiss, because, you know, they were in love, uh, and Jacob walks off into the rain, never to be seen again, obviously it's a main character he's coming back because newt um secretly bumps into him as he's walking into his job as a factory worker and he's clearly unhappy um and he gifts him with a dozen silver shells uh as collateral for the bank loan he's going to get that bakery um and then tina and newt share a heartfelt goodbye teasing something more is there um and newt will send her a copy of his book when it's done so the movie ends with us seeing uh that Jacob has opened Kowalski's Bakery and business is booming. Um, all of his pastries resemble all the magical creatures throughout the movie. Um, and then the last shot is Queenie walks in and um, the movie kind of fades to black as Jacob starts to realize he knows this woman. So that's the end of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's the end of part one uh, of the, the two movies that are out in the franchise. Um, I, I, I probably missed some things. Uh, but that's a general overview of the entire entire movie. The big plots. Um, I know most Wizarding World and Harry Potter fans do enjoy this first one. Um, I do like it a lot. I'm a defender of it. I think it's really really good. Um, I think it's it's fun. It's lighthearted. I do just find it weird that they chose this avenue to tell the Grindelwald Dumbledore story, uh, because like what makes Newt so special? Like he's a magi zoologist. Magi zoologist. He's not like a, an R like it's just, it's an, int- and I know Harry Potter's about, you know, unexpected heroes and things like that. And I, and I love the character nude. I think Eddie Raymond's great. It's just very interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the first one. I think there's some silly points like, you know, the, then he just apparate back to London instead of taking the boat. I know there's that thought that, oh, he has to be, maybe know exactly where he's going. I get that coming, but going home, he knows exactly where he's going, but whatever. Or it's maybe he's not power enough to do it that far. Who knows? Uh, but that is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Gellert Grindelwald's revealed. Clearly there's something more coming. Which we will get to in the recap of Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. Alright, so Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald picks up a year later at the American Ministry of Magic. You know, all that time they spent explaining Makuza and what Makuza was, yeah, immediately is gone in a title card reference uh, in the beginning of the film saying the American Ministry of Magic, though the screenplay does say the American Ministry of Magic, home to Makuza. So I don't know what the hell's going on. But uh, we are here because Grindelwald has been captured, uh, as happened at the end of the, the first film, and he's being transported from New York to. Uh, London uh, obviously he escapes here in a pretty cool um, scene where you know it, it turns out that Grindelwald actually switched appearances with uh, one of the good guys from the first one who he converted who was an agent of Makuza, and so it was actually him in the, the cell the whole time and Grindelwald was on the loose um, as this agent uh, so again he was playing an American Uh, Makusa or so Grindelwald escapes and that's how the movie starts off Um, so then we are now at the uh, British Ministry of Magic uh, about three months later where Newt is getting recruited uh, by the ministry to help his brother track down Credence Uh, but Newt turns it down Uh, the ministry then revokes Newt's travel documents and Gunnar Grimison takes the job Though they all look pretty upset that he did take the job. Um, So now Queenie and Jacob show up in London. um, And because Jacob's acting all freaky um, and like sort of out of it, uh, Newt suspects that he's under a love spell. And so he actually is. Um, But not because he doesn't love Queenie. Because he does. Because once she walked into the, the bake shop, he got his memories back. And, um, since the potion only wiped away bad memories, he still had a recollection of the good ones. Um, so he does love Queenie. However, he refused to marry her because of the magic laws that say that witches and, uh, nomads cannot be together or muggles can't be together. So she puts that, you know, spell on them so they can get married. Um, and they come to, uh, London looking for Tina, um, which Tina thinks Newt is engaged, but, uh, due to a newspaper screw up where there was a picture of Newt, uh, Lita Lestrange and his brother Theseus, uh, where it says commander engaged. And I don't know why really Newt's even in the picture. He's the best man apparently, but is actually engaged to his brother, which, you know, is kind of based on some of the past we alluded to in the first movie. Um, so now... Dumbledore reunites with Newt, uh, revealing to him that he cannot move against Grindelwald and that he will need Newt's help to recruit Credence um, and help guide Credence to the good side and help him because it turns out that, you know, like I said, Credence didn't die. He's actually alive, even though people thought he was dead. Um, So now it's time to catch up with Credence. So Credence is traveling with the Circus Arcanus, um, which is basically a magical creature circus for uh, which is in Wizards, in the, in the Wizarding World. Um, so he's traveling with a bunch of different magical creatures um, and a human version of Nagini. It turns out Nagini is not just Voldemort's snake, but this person who, in Animagi or Magus, I forget how it's pronounced Animagus, what, like what Sirius Black was, but Nagini's actually cursed where one day she'll stay the serpent forever. Um, So Credence helps Nagini and the other animals to escape, and these creatures are unleashed in Paris. So now Credence and Nagini uh, are searching for Credence's mother, who gave him up to Mary Lou Barebone. Um, They believe to have found her, but it's actually a half-elf named Irma, who was his family's servant who brought him to America. So just when uh, Credence is getting ready to learn his true identity, uh, Gunnar Grimison has actually tracked them down, and he kills Irma, which appears to be an attack on Credence, but it was actually meant for Irma by the Order of Grindelwald uh, to conceal Credence's true identity. Um, Credence then, then unleashes the Obscurus on him, uh, but Gunnar apparates away, or disapparates, however you want it to... It goes both ways. Some people use apparates, some people use disapparate. So now Grindelwald infiltrates Paris, and uh, he takes over a home, killing everyone in the home, including um, a small child. He tries to get Credence because he believes he is part of uh, a prophecy and a long-lost son of a pure-blood family, Um, which this is crucial to Grindelwald's uh, plan. So now we are back to Newt and Jacob, who take a port key to Paris, um, and they're trying to track down Tina and Credence. Um, using some weird tracking magic and a niffler they like enter through this like statue but it's not really sure what the point of entering through is if it's separate like if they're hidden from the mat from the regular world and this is like their way into the magical world or unseen they don't really explain it um but they then locate yusuf Kuma, uh, who says he can take them to Tina, turns out he trapped Tina and now has trapped Newt and Jacob as well due to some unbreakable vow he made. So just when things look like they're trapped, however, he actually passes out due to um, a parasite from a water demon, I think Newt says, um, that infected him. And they take him uh, to see a ghostly, like thousand-year-old Nicholas Female, who you guys will know from the Sorcerer's Stone. However, before they get there, uh, they have to save Paris from one of this giant lion slash cat looking thing called a Zulu kind of forcing in magical creatures wherever they can to justify the title. Um, so they do capture him with like a little cat toy. It's, it's funny. It's a good scene. Actually, a lot of the scenes with any of the animals are actually really good. Um, so They get to Nicholas Flamel's place, but Jacob is distracted and Yusef escapes. Um, He's distracted by seeing Queenie in this ball um, because they, you know, went their separate ways uh, due to, you know, the love potion and him not agreeing to marry her for her own safety. Um, So Jacob goes to find Queenie and Flamel shares what he saw in his little magical ball which was that Grindelwald will be holding a rally and that will put others in danger. So he does this like weird book communication thing with someone in like, I guess in like an aura system or some version of an order of the Phoenix per se. Um, So then we catch up with a heartbroken Queenie uh, who is scooped up by Grindelwald and kind of recruited to his side because he plays into her emotions um, that you know, on his side, if they were to rule, wizards should be able to love whoever they want to love, uh, which is kind of her whole plot arc in this entire movie. So now back to Newt and Tina, uh, Newt tries to explain to Tina that it wasn't him who was engaged, but can't just because he's super duper awkward. Um, then Grindelwald begins to attack the city, uh, with these giant black drapes, um, which like, how are the muggles just like is this is okay this is normal again like i don't know if they're inside that statue Newt enters and that's like the ma- like the non-magical or no magic as grindelwald says later in the movie um like can't see what's going on I-, I don't really know but this is him calling his followers to his rally as we're told um now we jump to hogwarts uh where we see that Dumbledore is teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts, which all Harry Potter fans know, he taught Transfiguration, um, not Defense Against the Dark Arts, but this is where it happens. Um, Dumbledore is confronted by the Ministry, uh, where he, you know, like I said, he's teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts, um, and we also meet a younger Professor McGonagall, uh, which, in terms of timeline, she's not at Hogwarts in 1927 yet as a teacher, um, but that's just one of the canon... You know, it's not that big of a deal, but still, a canon is a canon. Respect it, especially since the person who created it and brought up this world is making these changes. Anyway, whatever. They try to recruit Dumbledore to help fight against Grindelwald. He, he tries to explain to them that he can't, um, without going into too much detail. They mention that they were as close as brothers, um, but they were actually closer, as Dumbledore says, uh, which is alluded to when Dumbledore is at the Mirror of Era said, that they were actually lovers, who made a blood pack to never fight one another, and that blood pack forms this little, like, um, jewelry-looking thing that has both of their blood in it. Um, it's kind of cool. Uh, so, that's why he can't fight with the Ministry against them, Uh, So the ministry is obviously pissed off and puts these bracelets on him that monitors everything he does in terms of magic and he spell he casts. I guess if he were to apparate or disapparate. Um, So that's where we're at with Dumbledore. Now back to Tina and Newt enter the French Ministry and Newt takes some polyjuice potion to turn into his brother to get in, just to get into there, uh, where his brother actually happens to be as well as leader of the strange. However, we also saw that uh, two of Grindelwald's gang members left early with some sort of book. Uh, But this is where it starts to get a bit confusing. So they enter the French Ministry of Magic under the pretense that, you know, he's Theseus and Tina's leader Lestrange, um, where it also comes out that um, Newt reveals to Tina that he's actually not engaged and kind of alludes to that he has feelings for her and, vice versa. Um, but then the librarian quickly is on to them and realizes that, you know, they're not who they say they are and gets these like weird cat things. And then Lita Lestrange throws up. Uh, all while this is going on, it's being rumored that Credence is actually Lita's brother, um, Corvus Lestrange, um, where Lita declares, no, he's not. Um, so she's looking for that same box as well. And so Newt Tina and Lita all find where the box should be, but as I said, Grindelwald's you know gang took it out, and there's just an envelope that says that the contents of this box have been taken to the the crypt, uh, which just so happens to be where Grindelwald ends up holding his um, rally. So the cat-like creatures from the librarian attack them, and they unleash the Zuwa again, who can jump, you know, the entire city of Paris in one leap. Uh, so Newt rides them out of there and they go right to the crypt as well. Um, again, kind of just forcing in those magical creatures where they can to justify the title. So, all right, buckle in because this is just going to be a lot. So now everybody's at the crypt, you know, Nagini, Credence, Yusef, Lita, uh, Newt and Tina, they're all there. Um, so this is the crypt happens to be the same crypt where Grindelwald's holding his rally. Um, so Yusef reveals that he is carrying out his father's Mustafa's request that which is, this is the unbreakable vow to avenge his mother, Lorena, um, and kill the person Corvus loved the most. So Corvus Lestrange lead his father. So Corvus took Yusuf's mother, Lorena under the Imperius curse, um, and had a baby with her, Um, and Lorena, Yusef's mother, died while giving birth to that baby, and that baby was Lita Lestrange, Uh, so she's actually Yusef's half-sister, but Corvus was a bad dad, uh, so this isn't who he loved most, which was the unbreakable vow Yusef made to kill who Corvus loved most instead of just killing Corvus himself, which would have made more sense. But um, it was the next child, his son Corvus the fifth. So Corvus the fourth, the dad Corvus the fifth is the son. So uh, Corvus the fourth Lita's dad knew that somebody was after his son. So he put his son uh, on a boat with Lita sailing to America to escape Mustafa. So it's then revealed that Credence is Corvus V, and so Yusef prepares to kill him. Now, more, even more is revealed, uh, and explains some of the demons that Lita has been battling, uh, in this movie. So Lita reveals that she unintentionally caused Corvus V's death, her brother, um, and how she did that was that a very young Lita. uh, couldn't stand that her baby brother just continued to cry and cry and cry wherever they were on this ship to America. So she switched her baby brother uh, with the infant in the uh, room across the hall when the ship was needed to get evacuated because it turns out that this ship ends up sinking, which is why Yusef could never find Corvus. He thought he was dead, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so right before they evacuate the shift, uh, Lita puts the baby in the other room because she just couldn't stand it. She just wanted to escape the crying for a little bit, which it just seems even more sinister, um, the way it's done. It could have been done better. I thought, um, and so she switched Corvus the Fifth with another baby. Um, the other infant ended up being Credence. So, so that's why Lita knows that her brother Corvus V is actually dead, because this baby that she switched with and was given then to Mary Lou Barebone, who ends up being Credence, isn't actually a Lestrange. So more tragedy, though. The Sip Sunk and Corvus V died on one of these skateboats. Um, so this is one of the more messy and complicated story points that uh, didn't need to be a twist because it was like a double twist and it was just kind of confusing. So Credence isn't a Lestrange. And this also explains a scene earlier in the movie while Lita was at Hogwarts. Her boggart turned into this white floating like linen. Um, And so that was supposed to be her brother baby Corvus drowning, which doesn't really make sense because she technically never sees what it looked. The baby looks like drowning, but whatever. So Credence is just a nameless orphan. So I know that that part is complicated so basically, Yusef thought that Credence was Corvus, uh, the fifth, when he's actually not, because Lita switched Corvus the fifth with the baby, who ended up being Credence. So, Lita's brother died, Credence survived, who is not a Lestrange. So Yusef's unbreakable bond is gone, um, and now Credence is whiny saying he's a nobody, which his lineage doesn't make him who he is. I mean, he's lived a full life. He's kind of like a grown man. Um, but that's the whole point of Credence's story is trying to find out who he is and explain his magic. So now we are all conveniently at the Grindelwald rally as Newt realizes everything was part of Grindelwald's plan to get everybody there. Uh, Queenie, to get jacob and tina there and newt also kind of with that and then to get credence there with thinking he's a lestrange so grindelwald knows Credence's true identity um so grindelwald tries to recruit as many witches and wizards as he can to control the world and rule the muggles and one of the things he uses he uses this weird like skull bong thing that he takes a hit out of and it ends up showing the next war which is world war two so he's saying that the wizards need to rise up and help prevent this from happening because the muggles with their technological advances and their need for war that the, the wizards can't do anything except sit back. And this is his plea to get people on his side to step up. You know, he has more nefarious things at play. He just wants to control, but this is, you know, kind of hitting on the emotions and, and using uh, wizards against muggles. Um, So, as I said, Jacob reunites with Queenie. He's excited to see her. And Queenie, you know, as I said, wants to be able to love whoever she wants. So, she is on Grindelwald's side. And she's trying to persuade Jacob that this is the right way. um, Because they should never fear and be able to love whoever they want. So, after Grindelwald made his speech, uh, the Aurors show up. And, you know, Theseus tells them don't attack. It's not illegal to listen to him. Uh, But Aura ends up killing A wizard for kind of motioning towards him and this just ends up helping Grindelwald's point but also at this point when Grindelwald is down over the body uh it turns out that a Niffler had escaped Newt's uh bag once again as it always does and stole the blood pack from Grindelwald which we we learn in a little bit but he's crawling around Grindelwald and that's what he ends up doing is he ends up stealing the blood pack from Grindelwald who doesn't even know um so now Grindelwald is saying, "Everyone, get out of here!" And he begins to attack the R's with this blue, fiery magic. So um, Jacob pleads Queenie to not take his side, but she does anyway and walks through the fire. And Jacob's just like, "You're crazy! I'm I'm not doing that. This is the wrong thing to do." Some R's are being killed by this fiery magic. Um, all of Grindelwald's followers walk through, like from his main crew. All of them survive except one who, I guess this fire is like, if you're not truly on his side, you can't come through. And then finally, Lita walks down and acts like she's going to join him and looks right at Theseus and Newt standing next to each other who have been battling off this blue flame. And she says, I love you. That's the, you know, the twist is kind of, who is she saying it to? You don't really know. And then at that, she tries to attack Grindelwald, uh, she's actually not joining him. She tries to attack him. And it's a weird scene because she just like does like two things and then just like stands there and then he just kills her, uh, which sucks because we don't, I, I liked Zoe Kravitz and I wanted to see more of this character. Um, obviously, we're not going to get it. Maybe we'll get more backstory, but um, so she is dead. And now Credence walks through the blue flame as well as Nagini pleads to him, no, You know, you're more than just a name. You don't need to know that. And he says, I got to find out. And, you know, Grindelwald's persuaded him to his side. And uh, then Grindelwald says to Creedence, this has all been for you. And then at that, Grindelwald says, I hate Paris. In a really cringy line that I think is not needed because it's an emotional moment. And and it's supposed to be funny, but it's not at all because this is a pretty serious moment in the movie. And he operates out, and then this blue fiery dragon is about to destroy the city. And then Nicholas Femel unites them all and tells them, "Stick your wand in the ground." And they do. Um, and they do this finite spell, and it ends up killing all the monsters. Uh, again, I think this was just a fiery dragon to kind of play into the fantastic beast kind of thing. It's like not a real dragon, it's just made out of fire. So then they save the city from being destroyed. And then Newt, who has said, "I'm not picking a side," in the beginning of the movie turns to Theseus, hugs him, and says, I've chosen my side. Um, It's a nice moment between the brothers, and also at that point, the Niffler comes kind of limping into the scene, and Newt's like, oh, you know, what you got there, and he reveals the blood pact, Um, and so then we cut to them all standing on the bridge to Hogwarts. Um, It's Nagini, Theseus, Tina, Newt, a couple R's, uh, Yusuf, and then a confused-looking Jacob, as he should be, because two muggles. Hogwarts is just supposed to be, like, a really run-down, shitty-looking castle. Um, so, Newt walks forward towards Dumbledore, and, you know, he first says, is it true about Leta, and he apologizes, and then he shows him the file, and Newt says, it's a blood pack, and Dumbledore says, yep, and then Newt asks if he can destroy it, and he says, I think so, and now... We cut to the final scene of the movie, which is the most head-scratching aspect of it all for me, with plot twists and stuff. Uh, So the movie ends with a scene at Neumengard Castle, which is Grindelwald's Austrian base. Here, Grindelwald gives Credence his wand, and then reveals to him his true name, uh, Aurelius, Aurelius Dumbledore. And the baby bird, Credence, has been carrying around since Paris transforms into a beautiful fiery Phoenix because it's part of the Dumbledore lore that a Phoenix will come to any Dumbledore when in need. Um, And then they blow off the window and Creedence shoots like a beam of magic from his wand into, you know, the cat, the side of the mountain. And it ends just with Creedence standing there. It's, it's little anticlimactic for me because I don't really like Ezra Miller, but that's the end of the movie. So he's sitting there soaking in his true identity, and that's the end of the film. So I hope I did a good job explaining that movie. Some of those parts can be a little bit confusing, but, you know, I like this franchise. I don't love it. Um, I think they tried to do too much in Crimes of Grindelwald, and so that resulted in like an overpacked story, Where there's some really good parts of this. I think 75% of this movie is pretty good. Um, And then when they, you know, mess with the canon, it gets... A little messy and whatever. Like I think that Grindelwald's obviously lying to Credence to help his side of things and to get him to fight Dumbledore. I, you know, if he ends up actually being a Dumbledore, it'll probably be like a cousin or something. But it shouldn't be his brother because that just doesn't make any sense in terms of canon, um, since all of this is in the past. So it would get revealed. Um, but there's some really good parts of this movie. I think Eddie Redmond's great. I think like the cast is great. Johnny Depp is pretty good in it, um, though I do agree they were going to cast Mads Mikkelsen, who replaces him in the new one, and I think he probably would have been a better Grindelwald from the start. Um, you know, this movie did suffer. It got thirty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It opened to the lowest uh, opening for any Harry Potter movie with sixty-three million, and went on to gross around six hundred million, which is about two hundred million less than the first Fantastic Beast. Uh, you know, this, like I said, 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that does affect some people. There was some controversy at the time with Johnny Depp, with everything that was going on in his personal life. Um, so, I don't know. I am looking forward to the third one. They took some time off. Uh, they added, They took a year off, actually, to work on the script. You know, they, they obviously saw some of the criticisms and, and tried to perfect it. They brought in Steve Kloves, who did... Um, seven of the eight Harry Potter movies he wrote the screenplay for. So they brought him in to work with JK on it. So I think it is going to be better and all the reviews are pointing to it. You know, it's, I think it's at a 58 on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't great, but it's a 20% higher than the last one, um, which, you know, whatever it's, if you're on Rotten Tomatoes, look at the fan score because that's really what I think dictates some things. Um, but this is, fully become a Harry Potter franchise. It was a spin-off and then they've kind of just veered towards it. And then all the marketing and promotional material, like I was in the theater the other day and there was a Harry Potter trailer. Like it opened up with the book and showed the fandom and showed a couple movies the Lego. Like it, it was just playing into the wizarding world. So they're really trying to get people to come and see this movie. And it's also been uh, stated that they're waiting to see how it does in its opening uh, weekend and how much money it makes before green lighting four and five because it's supposed to be a five movie thing. I do think if it doesn't make as much money as the last one, and it'll still make money. Um, but we'll still get a fourth one. I think we'll just get four instead of five, and that'll be the end of the series. Um, even if it ends up on HBO Max, I don't know. Um, but just you know, lower the budget for it. It's a 200 million dollar movie, make it a little bit more affordable, and it becomes a little bit more profitable. Because there's an audience out there for anything Harry Potter, like like I said, I'm looking forward to this one, and I didn't love the last one, um, but they're they're like fun movies in the Wizarding World. I just kind of wish they would do something like The Mandalorian, like veer off and kind of maybe mention some of this stuff or reference some of it. Um, but I don't know. So I hope that this was a good refresher for you guys about what's going on in those in the franchise. I hope it wasn't too con- convoluted or too heavy into the story, but that's kind of everything you need to know about the first two movies to follow along with the movie that comes out you know tonight if you're seeing it Thursday or this weekend. Um so go see it uh if you can if you want to see more of these movies uh because that's the only way we're gonna get more um so I think that about does it for me here. Um I just wanted to kind of recap. I like to do some of these episodes. I hope you guys like them too Um, And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe. Um, Have a great Easter holiday or Passover holiday, whatever you celebrate, or just a great weekend. And um, remember to rate, like, and subscribe. Check out the Instagram. Check out the Twitter. And uh, just have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks for listening.